0: The Blazers
1: Focused Podcast is back after a few weeks. Yeah, baby! <laughs> after being on hiatus for a few weeks. Uh, I'm not going to lie, I've been chilling, Craig, I imagine. You've been chilling a little bit, too, although you've actually you got a job. You kind of have to work in the summer. That kind of sucks for you. Yeah. Right? And we'll talk about that in a second. Uh, but we are back now for the rest of the offseason, leading into training camp next month and on through the season. The schedule is out. We're going to talk about that. We'll talk about... Uh, broadcast, travel, circus gate, <laughs> the whole thing with the Blazers. Were they going to travel the broadcast scene? Were they not? It seems like they weren't, and they, now they are. We'll talk about that a little bit. Uh, but we And we'll also talk about, I have a, I have a question from a fan who has a very interesting question uh, that we'll get to, and a few other items as well. But first, since we did have some time off from the Blazer Focus podcast, let's talk about what we've been doing this summer, Craig. We'll start with you. First of all, how are
0: you? I'm good. I'm all right. I'm not as I'm not as zen as you are. I I can I I want to bring people behind <laughs> you know behind the 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 microphone slash camera here. Aaron Fentress told me that he has wait, spent wait, wait. some of this. What I can't share this. Are you, no, you are can't. You I, we, I mean,
1: I'm just like I, no, no. Go ahead. I just want to make sure you say it correctly.
0: <laughs> I probably. This is this is going to hurt your argument, uh, that he has spent some time kind of trying to avoid entering debates on every subject. Is that fair? Is that a fair way to say it? Yes. I've done a better job
1: in the last five, six weeks of avoiding, you know, just Trivial debates about things that trigger me because I think they're just completely ridiculous and wrong. And I've just let some things go that normally I would have been like all over. It doesn't mean I've gone complete cold turkey on this, but I've been a lot better. And so I've shifted my brain somewhat. And we're going to have a discussion later on about Kyrie, Damian Lillard. Who's a superstar? Who's the biggest superstar? Based on something Skip Bay- Bayless said, so that right there is going to make me have to shift back to having a mindless, nonsensical, ridiculous debate about something which I'm usually all gung ho for, but I haven't been most of the summer, so now I got to totally shift my mindset. Right. So
0: yeah. two things come to mind: one, <laughs> alien abduction. <laughs> I mean, that's. I mean, I think everyone is just going to assume this. This is not. This is no longer the actual Aaron Fentress. How have you he's, done with Aaron Fentress? So, right, he's getting probed up somewhere in a ship <laughs> and we'll we'll get the real one back. That's one and two. <laughs> It's my fault. I wanted. I thought the the Damian Lillard Kyrie Irving thing was hysterical, and we should talk about it. And because I knew the old Aaron Fentress, <laughs> I thought this was perfect. Uh, so I would just like to say I am proud of you as your friend because I think that uh, you're you you're, you're like I was saying to uh, to Theen, you're all grown up. Like you're all grown <laughs> up now. Look at you. You looked I at yourself would. in the mirror. You saw things that you know maybe. We're not bringing you as much joy, and um, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm, though mm-hmm. I've though I don't know this for a fact, I would just like to thank your wife. <laughs> she has nothing <laughs> to I do. Nothing to do. Really? With it. She? She? Ha- st- she stays see, I just with- don't see you. She stays away from. <laughs> I me. don't see that you could have done this on your own. So thank your therapist. <laughs> there you go. <laughs>
1: she stays away from me when I get into this, uh, serious debate mode. But uh,
0: but no, we we will have
1: that discussion. I will. Ch- I will find a way to shift into that mode. But no, like like let's talk first what, what you've been doing in the past. It's been, we haven't done a podcast since yeah, so, a little bit after the uh, summer league. Yeah,
0: yeah, so I you know, I do got, you know, I've got a a job <laughs> <laughs> over at Evergreen Public School, so I've been preparing for the school year, doing a lot of work there. Excited about uh big week here. Um people that live over in Vancouver a new mountain view high school is opening and a new so that's a wonderful thing especially if you've covered high school sports you know mountain view uh you know big high school over here and it's gorgeous um hanging out with the with the the youngster who just turned 5 and really i would say my big adventure is i did a slip and slide for the first time in 40 years and um i it was more painful than I remember it. You know, I just remember that <laughs> <laughs> it was all joy. And my first slide was, uh, uh hit areas I didn't want to hit, you know, mm-hmm. maybe that weren't, uh, as sensitive when I was 10. Mm-hmm. Uh, and my son thought that was hysterical that, uh, uh that, uh, you know, data was, uh, kind of rolling around in a little bit of pain after going on the slip and slide. So, uh, that was, uh, one of my big adventures, um, you know, hanging out with the kid. We went to the we went to a lake a little bit and um, trying to to get him uh, trying to get him to be at a place where bathrooms are his friend. <laughs> 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 you you your your kid took you on on an, on an adventure though. Your daughter, right? You, yeah, you, we, you got a wonderful time. My wife and I took our oldest
1: our oldest daughter, my only daughter, uh, Taryn, who's going to be a senior this year at Sunset. Uh, Anyway, we took her on a college tour and we drove from Portland, obviously, on down to San Diego and back. Along the way, we stopped at Oregon, Cal, UC Santa Cruz, UC Santa Barbara, UC San Diego, USC, UCLA, and San Diego State. It was quite the trip. I know. It was quite the trip. Some of the visits were guided tours. Official guided tours and some we just walked around ourselves, uh, but yeah, it was um, it was interesting. It was it was fun. It was exhausting. I drove the entire way down, the entire way back. <laughs> um, stayed in a lot of different hotels, obviously. Essentially, it's come down to the fact that my daughter really wants to get out of Oregon. She wants to go somewhere where it's has warmer weather year round. She really really likes the beach. <laughs> so, so those schools that were near the beach really appealed to her, but of course, these kind of things bring up uh, the issues that we're all, that, you know, everyone's talking about today, anyway, with the whole you know uh, Biden plan to relieve some of student loans. But just going through this just slams in your face how much these schools cost. It is incredible oh what it costs, especially oh out of goodness. state. For some of these places, for example, the UC yep. sco- schools in California, out-of-state tuition is like forty-four grand. In-state like fourteen, and you can't you can't get in-state by becoming even a resident there unless you become completely independent from your parents, which means you're off their health insurance, you're off whatever. Uh, so yeah, I mean, you, you also start means that it's up.
0: really hard, and it's really hard to get in out of state because of that.
1: Right. Exactly. Or but is even it, easy, or is it have,
0: easier because they want your money?
1: Well, that's well, that's no, that's a good point. But even the ones with uh, reasonable acceptance rates, like okay, room and board, tuition, you're looking at sixty-five, seventy grand for four years. That's two hundred and eighty thousand dollars. Like it's just like wait, what? So, I mean, I don't, I don't see. I honestly don't. Unless you know for sure what career you're going to get into that's going to pay you an exorbitant amount of money. I see zero value whatsoever in paying two hundred eighty thousand dollars to go to school. I just don't. I don't. It doesn't make any sense. And you see how many people across the country are being strangled by this. And actually, it led to me having a discussion with my daughter about how interest works. And I explained to her like, if you take hundred thousand dollars in uh, student loans, you have that debt, and it's at eight percent. And six months after you're graduating, you're graduating, You're hit with a thousand dollar, you know, a month payment. In that first year, you're going to pay twelve thousand dollars, and you're only going to take out about. Forty-four hundred dollars in in principal, and then the second year you're gonna take out about fifty-two hundred in in principal and pay another twelve thousand dollars. So in two years you have paid back twenty-four thousand dollars and still owe about ninety-one thousand. And she her mind was blown. And I go, that's why it's ridiculous when people make these decisions without thinking about how much money they're gonna make with the degree they get and how they're gonna pay it back. Because you're gonna get strangled by that. You're gonna end up paying back two hundred plus thousand dollars on a hundred grand. Um, so we've had that discussion, <laughs> which is why for me I'm like Oregon. Oregon's 14 grand a year tuition. I can handle that. <laughs> That's not a problem. Uh, but anyway, it was other than that part of it. It was a fun tour. So we'll figure things out. She's leaning towards something in San Diego or I think Oregon.
0: Uh, so yeah. So we'll and see. now we know where you're rooting. Right. Exactly.
1: <laughs> more importantly. More importantly, though, I think hashtag I, Go Ducks. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Uh, now. The other part of this, and I think more importantly for me personally, is that I made a really big decision on this trip and made an announcement on Twitter the other day that I've officially retired from large roller coasters. (laughs) Uh, I was a roller coaster all star, all American, Hall of Fame material loved me some roller coasters. It didn't matter the roller coaster. I remember going to either Disneyland or Great America or somewhere and like closing the place down to the point where like the last hour the place is open, you can just go on the same roller coaster over and over and over again and doing it on like the, the, I remember this one called The Vortex. I think it's like Great America where you stand up in it. It was one of the first ones where you stand up. Oh my God. Awesome. They had this one called Top Gun where your feet dangled. Awesome. There's all these great roller coasters that I've been on and enjoyed. My daughter is a daredevil. So ever since she was a little kid, she likes to go on anything fast. When she was a small kid, it was water rides because she couldn't get on big roller coasters. As soon as she could get on big roller coasters, she was all about them. Needless to say, when we went to Six Flags on Saturday, she was like, Dad, are you going to come on these roller coasters with me? And I'm like, I think. (laughs) (laughs) I think so. So we went on one called the Medusa. Oh. and it goes up uh, really, really, really high, and then it drops you down, and then you go through these series of loops and twists. You remember when a loop used to be a big deal? Oh, it goes upside down? This one had like 18 loops, <laughs> it seemed like. Oh, no. And so oh, no. I literally spent the... When we got to the top... I don't like heights anyway. When we got to the top of this thing, Craig, I, I closed my eyes. And I never used to do that, but I closed my eyes, and I was like, oh, God, please let this end. And so from... I go from back in the day in my teens, twenties and thirties where it was like, Oh my God, this is amazing to praying the entire time that I'm not going to die, even though I know I'm not going to die, <laughs> but it doesn't matter. Right. And so then I had a conversation with some people when I got off and it was like, we started talking about how when you get older, the, the, the thrill of risk subsides, the thrill of seeking that rush subsides. And so the lack of adrenaline from seeking that thrill and that rush that overrides fear is almost gone. So then you're just you're just all about you're just the fear of just what? fear. It's just it's fear. Like it's no, right? and it's I, just vegetables. Yes, just it's just vegetables. Exactly. No dessert. No exactly, dessert. Exactly, man. And I was closing my eyes and going, oh bleep, oh bleep, oh god, oh god, and I'm thinking. Please let this in. Please. Let, no, wait, it's not over yet. Oh, my God. Not another one. Oh, and I felt so emasculated afterwards. <laughs> like, damn, dude, what happened to you? Um, and so I announced my retirement. I'm done. And she tried to get me to go on two other ones. There's one called Batman. I looked at it and I was like, nope. And there was another one called The Joker. A lot of, lot of superhero themes here. And I was like, nope, not doing that. So I ended up the last ride she and I went on together. She went on some rides with a friend of hers who happened to be there. Uh, we went on the smaller roller coaster that was mainly for kids. And so that meant I was cramped up in this small little seat, right? And so it's banging me around. It's meant for kids. And I'm 220 getting banged around. So I left that one with like bruises and a torn rotator cuff. But other than that, you know, it was fun going on that roller coaster with my not so little girl anymore. She's 5'8", 115 pounds now. But um, anyway, so yeah, I announced my retirement from roller coasters and visited a lot of colleges this summer.
0: Well, I, I... I think that was a uh, a smart move <laughs> i I was never an all-star and I also found uh the last time I went that I got sick that mm. I got nauseous and I never used to get nauseous before and I was uh, i I wasn't happy about it and my wife was uh, very disappointed in me because <laughs> uh, uh, we had gone together and um the last ride we went on together was the log flume, which is, uh, just, you know, fun and you get a little wet. Uh, but yeah, no, not, I was always the kid that did the roller coasters right? because I didn't want to admit I didn't, that I was scared of them and I secretly closed my eyes. Uh, so I don't give in to a lot of peer pressure, but I did on the roller coasters. So I'll go with you to the, uh, amusement park and we can sit around and eat fried food. <laughs>
1: I do like water rides, though. Those are still fun. Yeah. Because they're not yeah, as, uh, as frightening. But, yeah, man, I just... And I'm, I'm kind of sad because I did love them. And it's just... I just didn't enjoy it. So, <laughs> anyway. All right. Enough of our summers. Uh, you know, yep. last time we talked was soon after the uh, summer league ended. Um, Dame signed his extension. I think th- they haven't made a roster moves since. Yeah, they haven't nope, done anything. Nothing. The whole NBA has been quiet. Nope. The Durant situation, Durant thing, is settled, right? Settled. He's not, He's he does not want to get traded, but yet. we'll see. But what Donovan, Mitchell
0: still, yeah. Donovan Mitchell still, yeah, Donovan Mitchell's still a member Mitchell's, of the Jazz, right? I, I still can see Durant be interested. In. I
1: still, I still can see Durant being traded by the break if things fall apart. I, I just think the Nets should just get what they can. I think some of the offers that they've turned down reportedly that they're, I think they're crazy because I just think they. He's 34. You know, he's going to be 35 next year. His his value is waning. Like if you can get a bunch of picks and, and a couple young players, I'd do that in a nanosecond. But anyway, I, I think if Kyrie's, uh, if Kyrie's heads on straight and Ben Simmons is back, they're going to be really really good. So try it out. There nice.
0: there is no doubt that it could work, right? I mean, we uh with those those are three uh all-star players with um unique skill sets. I don't know if it's going to work. But there's a chance it can work, right? And then there's a chance they could go to the, you know, they could get to the NBA Finals. And so I think it's smart for both parties to give it a go. But I think 20 games in, if they're 9 and 11, you know, you got to blow it up, right? I mean, so why not? And if, you know, Durant, you're not, you can't. So two out of those three guys are almost untradeable. (laughs) You know, you no one's gonna want Simmons. I mean, we already saw that. I think and the Blazers, crazy.
1: I think Blazers, would take Simmons,
0: mate. Right, but you're, you're the value is down, is what right. I'm saying. Yeah. You're not the they're they're more. Uh, they come with more baggage than Kevin Durant. Correct. I mean, they both come with two cars, two u <laughs> U-Hauls full of baggage. Right, like they could still play, but and Kevin Durant's um, nobody's ever he's never uh sucked on the court and uh while he he's an, a unique individual um you can win a title with him as at the forefront and he's not a problem on the court so right. that's what i think i think that you might as well um go for it if they win durant'll be happy right and if not he'll just ask for a trade again and then you probably will have to move him agreed
1: i, I just think that's just how it's going to play out exactly all right so the blazers Nothing has happened roster-wise, as we said, but there was some interesting news the last couple of days involving the broadcast (laughs) team. Uh, Reports came out that the Blazers were going to not travel their radio or TV broadcasters and have them do it from uh, Moda via video and et cetera, which is something they did last season when COVID really hit around the turn of the year through up until about the All-Star break stretch there where games were being postponed and play, I remember the Blazers had like six people on in put covid protocol and so the, they those guys weren't traveling at all and then they did finish out the season traveling. Uh now the statement from the Blazers was a little weird to me cuz it kind of it wasn't clear as to whether or not they hadn't yet made a permanent decision on if they were going to not travel or hadn't made a decision yet on whether the decision to not travel was permanent. <laughs> um but regardless of what happened is that over the next couple of days, uh, soon after um, uh, Chad Dewing and Dwight James on their Rip City radio program uh, put out the news that this was going to happen, and then fans just went crazy. And so media went crazy about it, and they were, the Blazers were getting ripped for being cheap. It is not... Cheap. It's not inexpensive to travel. It's, it's my understanding they could be up to eighty grand per person because they don't stay in motel sixes. They're not <laughs> staying in cheap hotels. They're, they're staying in the same hotel where the team stays, and the team stays in high end hotels. So you know the the room bill could be five, six, seven hundred a night per person. You got forty one road games. You got the nights in between. You're looking at maybe hundred nights on the road. That can be a lot of money. Regardless, you're talking about an NBA franchise that is paying players, you know, upwards of fifty million dollars a year payroll is going to be about 150. So it kind of like in the general person's mind, it's like, wait a minute, you can't spend you know, $400,000 travel to travel the broadcast crew to have really good broadcasts and, and the presence of them just being there, which I think matters. So anyway, the Blazers ended up uh, changing their stance. Uh, Dwayne Hinkins, the CEO, uh, went on the radio and said that they are going to travel. I've talked to some sources to say that people are excited they're going to travel. They'd rather travel. There are some people that say, hey, I don't have to travel. That, that saves me a headache and be home with my family. But that's personally, but professionally, they want to travel. Like, you want to be there. That's why you got into this job is to not be a sit-at-home uh, broadcaster. You want to be at the arena. That's that's where the excitement is. That's where the life is to what you want to do. And you, as someone who does broadcasting, you know how it is to be there versus sitting, uh, you know, at home watching it on TV. So, anyway, I was just curious. You, you obviously d- done some work for the Blazers. You might again this season. But yep. what were your thoughts on everything?
0: Yeah, so... Yeah, I mean, obviously, um, and I, you know, full disclosure, I haven't, I I don't know what my future will be with the Blazers this year. We haven't talked yet. I'm hopeful. I mean, I've really enjoyed my time. Great working with that. That group was awesome to work with. um, And I'd like to do it again. Uh, But uh, yeah, I think it's better to travel. (laughs) Um, There are, I will say this, when people compare the salaries to a player, to the, and the broadcast team. There's two different buckets, right? And people have to understand that part. The budgets aren't, they have different budgets and people have to just like in their jobs, you got to meet your own budget. And the, but it does affect more than just the broadcasters. There's other people that travel on the crew and they only get paid when they go. So uh, it's not just the travel money. It's um, for some people. uh, And I know a lot of those people and I know they love it and this is what they want to do. So I'm glad that they changed. I think, you know, to me, what was awesome was to that fans um, understood media I knew would understand, right? You know, you see something like that, you know that's not great, but that the fans understood that they were going to miss out if the broadcast group didn't go on the road, and uh, and I'm glad that the, it it's awesome that the Blazers are a franchise this time that listened, right? That they didn't put their they weren't too stubborn to listen, and they. Fixed it rather quickly. Um, so that part was good. I've been worried about this kind of thing from pre-COVID. And Aaron, you know this. Less and less media members travel to away games that are not affiliated with the broadcast. You know what I mean? Like right. travel budgets for – and television, my old you know, local affiliations, we used to travel all the time to every bowl game, every Blazers playoff game, even some regular season games. Um and it's become less and less. And some of that's about access, too, right? Why do you need to travel if you can't go into the locker room? Uh, you could get the same access. And it's just a way for um, people to save money and those interactions. Uh, it's the bigger thing. Same thing with the, the broadcast crew gets more interaction than you do be, when they're on the road because right. they get to be with them on the plane and sometimes eat with them and be in the same hotel. Right. And to me, access to players and coaches. Builds relationships, which builds trust, which allows for fans to get, um, a more genuine and beneficial uh, relationship and better stories. You know what I mean? It's just better stories when we're there. So anytime any access is taken away, um, media wise, I'm like, that's not good for the fan. They don't realize that. And you know that you struggle now to get access like you used to, you know, when I mean, we're so far past – I mean, I remember when I came out here and Oregon football didn't let, you know, media watch practice. Mm-hmm. That, to me, coming from the SEC was a little crazy, you know, and then now it's common practice. So now we don't – you don't have that access. You barely get right. to know college football players because you can't go in the locker room anyway. So to me, this is all about um, the experience for the fans um, and that it would have been a lesser experience. And I'm also glad that it was, the Blazers were the only one, so there was no, uh, it wasn't like, well, half and half. Right. Which was happened, happened a lot in baseball when they came back. Some teams didn't travel for a long time. So everyone could say, well, either, hey, the Mets aren't traveling. Right. You know, they're a huge, you know... That there wasn't that they could no one could there was no well the the lakers and the grizzlies don't travel it was like well the blazers will be on the island and they'll be the only franchise and that that is not that's never a good place to be when it's not um when you're not spending more <laughs> yeah, exactly. you know, like if you are on the island spending more or giving more but if you're doing less not a good place to be okay we agree that's
1: scary Look at this. Okay. He agrees. Before before we get to the schedule, <laughs> let's, let's, uh, well, let's, let's, let's do schedule first. Just just yeah. I, I, this is going to be quick. I'm not a schedule guy. Every year the schedule yeah, comes right. out, especially in the, in the NFL schedule comes out, people go off and freak out about it and talk about it and over talk about it. And I get it. It's the offseason. People need things to talk about. I just don't even care. I, I'm a Bears fan. I look at the Bears schedule and go, okay, well, whatever. Because we all know that whatever hype game you pick in June – it's not necessarily gonna still be a hyped game come October because stuff happens. And yeah. the game you poo-pooed, oh, that's gonna be an easy win. And that team you thought was gonna be easy easy win is eight and two when you play them, as opposed to last year. When maybe they were four and four at that same time. So anyway, same thing with basketball. Like I'm looking at the schedule, I'm like, okay, they're gonna play a bunch of games. So the only thing I found interesting, I <laughs> play a bunch of games, is that at the end of the season, at the end of the season, they close with nine out of ten. Wait, eight out of nine. At home, at home, at home. Yeah, yeah. and then they go on the road for four, and there's and it's a tough four. Minnesota Grizzlies, Spurs will be weak, but Clippers, right? And then they come, and then they end with Golden State. So those four, those last five games, four of them are going to be against three or four going to be against really good teams. Three for sure are going to be contenders. All I think Minnesota is going to be in the mix. But wow, that last stretch of five games: Minnesota, Memphis, Spurs, Clippers, Golden State. That's pretty daunting. But prior to that, they will have eight. Of nine at home, a chance to build some wins. And again, I'm talking about this like they're going to be battling for the four seed, or battling for the f- right, or battling for a play and We don't know how it's going to be. Then they could be 60 and 10 by the time this this whole stretch rolls around, and it <laughs> won't matter. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying, like, you know. We're, my point is, we're speculating on uh, about a bunch of what ifs. But <clears throat> uh, it's going to be it's going to be that that part is going to be interesting. If they if they get to a situation where they're battling for something at the end, it's going to be a tough long uphill battle for them.
0: I 100% agree about the schedule, like do it when everyone goes and says, well, I got him going 41 and 41. Or, you know, as I, s- no one, when we did the, sch- if on we the did schedule, if we did that last year, <laughs> yeah. yeah, last year, the Blazers wouldn't have lost every, every game for, you know, four months and the Lakers were going to be good, <laughs> right? I mean, right. And, and the Brooklyn Nets going to be way, way better. Um, and no one thought Memphis was going to be where they were at that, that quick. So the I i looked at it the same way. And I really look at it um like the beginning of the year, they're gonna play twenty-four of their first thirty-nine games on the road. So that to me is something like, wow, you better be healthy early because we all know, you know, in the NBA, winning on the road is hard. And 24 of 39, um, if you win all your home I mean, yeah, you just do quick math, like, well, if you win all your home games and you lose all your 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 away games you're you're way under 500 and you might still be a good team a decent team and then that there's a 6 game road trip in march and to me 6 game road trip in march whoo like that you know you go 1 and 5 on that road trip you could drop 3 spots in the standings and again you could still be a good team you could pay, play competitively in all 6 games uh, but winning on the road in the NBA is hard. So those are the things that I looked at. Um, and those six uh, games are that include Atlanta,
1: Boston, Philly, and the Pelicans. Yeah.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah. It's it's that's just a six game road trip, man. You know you're not winning game six. I mean you're just not. It doesn't <laughs> happen in the NBA, right? You don't win the second game of the back to back. How are you going to do on a on your six game road trip when you're a West Coast team further west than you know up? your you're so far up into the West that when you're playing down in Atlanta, you're so far from home, you're exhausted travel. So I, and March is the time where that's where you got to move, right? You know, that's a big make or break time. So those are the things that stood out to me. Um, But you know, if they're, if, if they're competitive in those first i think we're going to learn a lot i guess based on the first half of the season when 24 of your first 39 games are on the road i think we will have a uh, we'll know where, if the blazers are uh top four contenders non-playoff guys or that you know place that most people are going to pick them between 4 and 8 <laughs> and where most people pick the blazers for the last <laughs> you know 15 years <laughs> right. between 4 and 8
1: i got to figure out my travel schedule
0: what am I gonna do? See,
1: I got you now. See, I I helped there. You were like, oh wait, that's a lot of road games. <laughs> yeah. Uh woo, look at that first, look at that first six-game trip. Phoenix, Phoenix, Miami, Charlotte, Pelicans, Dallas. <clears throat> Should I go on all that?
0: I mean it to I heard Miami, didn't I? Yeah, that's true. I could get the Miami <laughs> on the sixth, hit South Beach. Just saying, like, i just just it like, I heard Miami, didn't I, right? Why would you say no to that? You
1: did hear Miami. Hmm. Yeah. Hmm.
0: All right. I'm just, I'm just here. I'm just here to help you. I appreciate that. That might be a
1: trip I might have to make. Maybe <laughs> I'll see how things are going at home and make a decision there. <laughs> Maybe I need some time away. Um, anyway, okay. So let's move on to the uh, little bit of – well,
0: you – wait. You didn't mention – your trip to see the Yankee game. Oh yeah. I did go home. And my wife hates when I say I went home. My wife says, your home is here. <laughs> this is your home, <laughs> which he's right. And I've lived here now, uh, 13 years. And, uh, you know, this is where my home is, but New York and New Jersey will always be home. Hadn't been, um, there since pre pandemic. And I, I went, uh, my wife was like, you need to connect with your people. Um, you know, I don't have a lot of family, you know, since my mom passed. And, um, so my friends are my family. So I did, I flew home and I saw like so many of my high school buddies and college, you know, buddies and, uh, went to a Yankee game and, uh, it cost 200 bucks <laughs> for a ticket. Uh, wasn't Would that close. Sit? And it Wasn't that close really? Sat... No, lower... it was a good seat, but you know, lower level, uh, but like the options, is like 40 bucks to get in the building and sit in the nosebleeds. And one of my buddy's dads was coming and he's like 75 and my buddy texts me like, and we call his dad iron Mike. He's like, iron Mike's not going to sit in the nosebleeds. <laughs> so, and I say, you know, you earned it. He's been a Yankee fan for 70 years. Like, uh, so I was like, look, man, I, I, you know, I'm cruising in, this is my second Yankee game in, uh, like ten years, I'll pay the two hundred bucks. And all my friends did. So uh eight of us went, including uh, Iron Mike and uh they lost in the uh they gave up uh a, a three run homer to the Royals in the bottom of the in the top of the eighth and lost eight six but uh, and that basically I started the Yankees skid. Uh <laughs> since hopefully they've recovered. But it but it was awesome. You know I uh, and it was weird. I honestly I hadn't made a trip. Uh I hadn't been on a plane since COVID. I have I didn't realize how uh, much cautious I'd been until you know I took I flew to I flew to Jersey. Uh, I took the train uh, to the city. I took the subway to the you know the stadium and then to Brooklyn and so like my old school stuff. And I was like, oh wow, these 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 people don't care about COVID anymore. <laughs> like you know, I mean, they weren't not safe, but you know, like it was. It was crowded as heck, and uh, but I, you know, I stayed COVID free, so that was good. I wore a mask where I thought was appropriate, so uh, but that was wild, but it was fun. So thanks for letting me uh, talk about uh, what I consider to be home.
1: Well, when I went to Chicago for the combine, I went to a Cubs game, and it was expensive. It was like I think the ticket was one fifty, and I was, but I had money seats, like I was right down the third baseline, pretty close. Um, but the whole time I'm like, this is ridiculous. And I, and I had the Uber there and Uber back. I think that was a hundred dollars, so I spent. I bought a hat for fifty bucks. They got me for like three something that day, so I was bent. But at the same time, I I hadn't been to Wrigley since I was a little kid, so it had to be done. It was worth it. But could you imagine doing that every day? <laughs> I don't see anything. no season tickets. The, that anyway, thing. anyway. Um. Okay. So before we log off here today, Skip Bayless says something. What Skip say?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Skip just tweeted out. Uh, Kyrie Irving is a superstar, Damian Lillard is not. Which sometimes I just like wonder like, is he even writing his own stuff? Like, is that even like is that really his thought? And why, why in the middle of the summer do you say that? Um, and it's just a it's just a weird, it just makes me think because what is a superstar and what is not? And in my mind, if Kyrie Irving is a superstar, then Damian Lillard is. Absolutely. Right. right? Absolutely. But if you say Right. If you're drawing the line somewhere else in your superstar status, like if you're saying, well, LeBron James is a superstar, Um, Charles Barkley and Damian Lillard aren't, like, I might disagree with you, but at least I've seen a line. You're talking championships. You're talking, you know, great, maybe best ever. Um, But, you know, it's like, what, what are you talking about when you're, you're basically drawing two of the best, you know, point guards of, of, their era, similar in age. Uh, One's crazy. One's completely like an awesome leader. Um, One won a title with LeBron James. Exactly. (laughs) One has got, got a team to the, you know, uh, to the Western Conference Finals. And lost to the Warriors. Right. And with, with no other All-Star. So, uh, it's just a, a silly thing. What's, the fact that he could still get people so angry though is, uh, a testament to him because I was angry when I heard, I was like, Oh, come on. And I started doing the, a little Fentress thing. <laughs> like, it, me, You know, like here's the reasons why you're wrong. And I'm like, Oh no, you're just wrong. Cause you're, it's obvious why you're wrong. You're making no point. I mean, there's nothing. Kyrie Irving is an, is an am- amazing point guard when he's healthy. Uh, his handle is, you know, mate is in the top. Whatever of all time. Right. Uh, yeah. Great offensive player. He's fantastic. So is Damian Lillard. So we're even, right? So what are you talking yeah, about?
1: The first part of this, obviously, is defining superstar. This came up when someone, defining these things came up when someone called Oregon an elite. Oh, Jeff Schwartz said Oregon was an elite football program. And I said, no, it's not. But the entire debate there is well, how do we define elite? Elite. Is the best of the best. Superstars got to be also the best of the very best. So then, how far down the ladder do you go? Because clearly, there's a separation between Kyrie and Dame versus Curry, Durant, LeBron, right? So, if we just want to expand the window to include the Lillard and Kyries, wherever you put Lillard, you have to put Kyrie. Wherever you put Kyrie, you have to put Lillard. You cannot sit here and tell me that Kyrie is a superstar and Lillard's not, because to me, they're on the same rung. Neither one of them is on the same level as Curry, Durant, or LeBron, but obviously few are, or even Giannis, and maybe I don't know. Do we put Embiid in that category? Maybe, but it's a it's a very finite group. You go down a couple rung or two to the, to the level of Lillard, Kyrie, where I think Morant is right now, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but the idea, but here's here's the only reason why people say that because Kyrie, every step of their career, Kyrie has had more pop and more sizzle because of who he was. He was one of the top recruits in the nation. Dane went to Weber. He went to Duke. Oh, he didn't play there all the time. Dane went to, went to Weber, like I said. Kyrie was the number one overall pick. Dane was a sixth pick. Kyrie played with LeBron, was an instant star, blah, 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 won a championship. Damon's has had to have a team built around him, which is tough to do, building around a small guard. He didn't play with LeBron. Had he played with LeBron, he would have won a championship. But here's a separation in terms of them as of players and why I would take Le- uh, take Damon all day. It's because Kyrie's a child. And also the part that Kyrie, as the guy, in Cleveland, as the guy in Boston, as the number two to Durant, has failed miserably in all aspects of what you want a superstar to do, whereas Durant, excuse me, whereas Le, uh, Dame has excelled in that type of situation as being the guy as much as he possibly could. You can never say Damian Lillard has underachieved. You can never point to any team he's ever be on, been on and, said, and say that team underachieved. But I can point to a couple where you can say that team overachieved. Kyrie is the opposite. Now, who's better? I mean, it's a toss-up. Kyrie's shooting percentages are all better across the board. But Dame does different things better. So, and, and like I said, maturity-wise, I'm, I'm taking Dame all day. If you told me right now uh, I had to pick between the two, I wouldn't even hesitate because Dame is going to show up and work his ass off. He's not going to, you know, sit games out. And or do the whole vaccine thing he did, and, I, and that's a personal choice. I get that, but still, he torpedoed an entire season. Um, so anyway, that's my take on it. You got me to debate about yeah. it. <laughs> now I'm gonna go back into no, summer hibernation. I, I,
0: <laughs> I agree. I think that there's an argument to say that superstars, that you know, there's only a few superstars, and maybe you and and a superstar debate is more about all time than current. Kurt, I because sometimes I people, you know, like, hey, there. You just said is Giannis a superstar? Yeah, I think he probably is. Um, but if we went broader over the last ten years, where are your superstars, I'd rethink. I still think Giannis is there because I think he it's got he two MVPs and a title championship on his own. Yeah. yeah, I mean, he's a superstar, and he won a title, and and not and while there are all stars on the Bucks, there are no none of them are as good as Damian Lillard. So. Yeah, but I mean, to me, that's what I'm saying. The ridiculous part is you drew a line that is vertical at best. Right, 100%. Yeah, I mean, Yeah, I mean, horizontal at best. Horizontal yeah. at best. Like they're, They are in the same level of player um, when it comes to skill-wise, even though some are better at others. But, yes, I would take Damien all day. Um, now, I went to taking Damien all day when they were both coming out of college, right? I mean, and Kyrie's start to his career was amazing. Um, and he he blew it a little bit by um, the other things, not not necessarily his play, and but yeah, it's just a funny it's just a funny thing to just state I know. <laughs> like in one tweet, no context, just no boom. Context. So. <laughs> All right, well, all right, we have w- we have one thing to do
1: before we go, right? <clears throat> we do. We have one question from a fan. We're going to start trying to solicit questions, and uh, I get emails all the time, and we'll just read a question from someone, and we'll answer it. So our first inaugural question comes from Ron Buell, who emails me frequently. He asks, uh, he mentions Gary Payton Jr., Jeremy Grant, and Justice Winslow as all being good defenders, but who is going to provide real rim protection? Aren't Nurk and Eubanks a little slow afoot? What is... What? Oh, yeah. Aren't they a little slow afoot? So, answer the question. Who's going to provide real rim protection? Do you think Nurt and Eubanks will be enough, or do they need more?
0: Well, I don't even think you need a center in the NBA at all anymore. So, there's that. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> uh, I, you could get away with crazy things. Uh, a healthy Yusuf Nurkic, in good shape, is a very solid center. Um, he clearly doesn't have the lift that he did before the you know his leg snapped in half, which you know is understandable. Um, yeah, I, I, look, they paid him. It better be enough because they're not getting another center. So uh, and Eubanks, I don't even know who knows who, how much he'll play. You know, right? Yes, you could replace Eubanks with someone better. I think Eub- Eubanks is to me a great athlete for his size. You know, what I mean, he jumps out of the gym. Um, mm-hmm. You know anybody over six ten is usually slower a foot, other than Kevin Durant and a, you know Gian- Giannis and a few others. Uh, but yeah, Nurkic, that's what you got. So you better so you better like it because you're not you're not moving off of him and bring him back Giannis for
1: instance. Yeah, I think this is what they're going to have unless they can pull off a trade. I think they probably do want to pull off a trade. I think Eubanks is going to be the backup center, so he's going to play ten minutes a game. Uh, Trenton right. Watford will get some time there. The, the problem is, you would like to see them have two guys like Watford and uh, Jabari Walker who give you length and athleticism and are willing to play defense. The problem is, they're so young, right? They're both 20, 21. You, I, I just think this team needs guys like that who are 28, 29. Yeah. You look at some of the good teams in the league, and some of the length they have from veteran role playing guys who just fly around and are disruptive and they just make things so much more difficult for you. And Blazers just don't really have that other than, other than maybe Grant. So I do think that's going to be an issue. Um, I think Nurk gives you solid rim protection. So you have that going for you, but yeah, I would, I would love to see them have a more established backup elite athletic rim protector uh, that they can slide in there. But that guy costs, yeah, and that guy costs 12 to
0: 15 million. Of you know, course. Not cheap. Yes. You know? And they <laughs> play, and those guys need to play, they play 20 minutes a game, you know right. I mean? In different roles. Right. So, no, and look, the guys you just mentioned, Watford and Walker, like, we don't know if they're good in the NBA. We have no idea. No. You just don't know. We've seen one play in summer league and one play, you know, when the team was garbage. To about <laughs> twenty know, or thirty so, every night. Yeah. You know, saying like so, we don't know. I mean, based based on those kind of minutes, Eddie Lee Wilkins, nineteen eighty, like four Knicks would be an all star. I mean, there's a lot of players that looked, you know, put up numbers and looked like they had potential on teams that are that awful just because they had to play. So we don't know, and maybe they develop into those play. You know, one of them can develop into that kind of player because it does happen. Um, But you know, the Blazers did what they did at this point, and uh, I'd be. This is what they're rolling out with. I'd be surprised if, you know, anything happens, uh, you know, at all this year, major, you know, unless with Dame signing that extension, I mean, I don't know how much drama we're going to have roster-wise this year.
1: Agreed. Agreed. All right. We're good. That was a good welcome back podcast. Yeah, we did it. Appreciate you coming on here, Craig, again. We'll be kicking it all season long, bringing it to you as camp gets ready to roll here in a few weeks. That's it for the Blazer Focus Podcast. Please be sure to click the subscribe button and give us all positive reviews. We'd appreciate that, and we'll catch you next time.